0: Welcome to the Magmatic Security Squawk Box Podcast, a security-focused podcast made by Mac people for Mac people for the week of July 29th, 2012. Let's begin. Dropbox Spam. Dropbox came clean today and announced that one of its employees was compromised, thus allowing malicious actors to gain access to the email addresses of users of the Dropbox service. They also have claimed that no passwords have been compromised. I recommend changing your password for Dropbox immediately, and you should at least make that password a strong password that is not shared with any other service you use. Dropbox is a great service for sharing documents and files, either as individuals, or within teams or groups, but because it is in a public cloud structure, which means that there is co-mingling of data, there are certain precautions and risks to consider. I recommend that if you are storing anything that you consider confidential in any cloud storage provider, that you control the encryption and use encryption on those files. For, in the case of Dropbox, you can use disk utility to create a disk image that is encrypted. This disk image can then be placed into your Dropbox folder and shared across Mac systems. Unfortunately though, this disk image will not be accessible from any of your iOS devices, such as an iPad or iPhone. But this will ensure that anything that is confidential that you feel that you need to put into the cloud is in fact safe. decoying Over the last 12 months, various samples of malware that have been discovered by different AV vendors are using the social engineering method that I like to call icon decoying. This method goes back to the classic Mac Finder in the 90s and is a very simple process. The criminal will take a JPEG file, usually of a supermodel or a porn star or someone in the news, they will copy the icon using the get info box paste that icon onto a malicious installer or application will take that malicious application with the icon decoy and put it in a folder with several other jpegs that are valid and they share a similar characteristic with the other jpegs in the folder zip it up and then send it off to a victim in an email or have it on a server somewhere as something a user can download or part of a drive-by download attack. Of course then when the user gets it, they open this zip file, the hope is, they look at these icons that might be of a supermodel or somebody in the news or a porn star uh, in an icon view. They select them all in the folder and then try to open them up. The hope is that from the criminal's perspective that the user will then actually execute this application or a rogue installer. The good news is, is there's a lot of defenses that can be triggered that prevent this and a lot of evidence building milestones that have to be overcome before this installation process or running of, pro- of this malicious file takes place. Of course, the most important thing that a Mac user can do to defend themselves against any rogue malicious application is to do most of their computing as a normal user and not as the administrator or a privileged account. I have some clients that, are in, that operate uh, deployments with server and Mac clients and one of the biggest problems that they have is having control over their junior administrators and senior administrators. It seems like uh, most of these administrators are using the same administrator account to carry out tasks. Of course this is extremely dangerous because you can't audit it and you can't develop a level of evidence back to the user who is making the changes on your systems. So of course every administrator that's in a business deployment when it comes to Mac OS X or when doing profiles uh, for iOS devices all of this stuff should be accountable back to an individual or an actual user so I recommend for most of my clients that when they set up these administrative accounts on uh, their servers that they have different levels of administrators for the junior and senior levels, and of course, specific accounts for the administrators that can be audited back to that individual. There are a host of other evidence-building milestones in Mac OS X including uh, dialog boxes, um, flags that you are doing an install that the user should also you know, watch out for when they do receive these rogue or malicious apps. Of course you can also set the finder to show extensions on files, but I have found this to really not be useful because when people see icons they usually click they don't look at the word and they're not even looking at the file name most of the time. Which does make this whole method, even though at first you may say why would somebody want to do this from a criminal perspective, it does make it a very efficient way because they are playing on the user's quick action in seeing something and clicking on it. So the moral of the story is to limit the privileges of users or limit your privileges as a user, when doing doing general computing on your Mac, additionally you can also limit Safari and Mail to the download folder to download any files from the web, and not to execute those files once they are downloaded. There is the Open Safe Files feature that is in Mac OS X. Uh, this is in Lion and in Mountain Lion. I do not recommend turning this on. This is a very dangerous option uh, in the sense that you don't want to open any files without stopping, thinking, and clicking. With Mountain Lion, there is also the the protection of only executing and installing applications from the Mac App Store or code that is signed. I do recommend using this feature in Mountain Lion. But again, this is completely based on what is your tolerance for risk. Java risk and updates. A lot of the rogue installers and malware related to Mac OS X as of late are using the same code base that have been in other criminal kits that use Java as the app, the applications programming Language. Of course, one of the advantages of Java is that you develop once and can deploy anywhere, anywhere where there's a Java VM, of course. Because of the way Apple once handled the Java update process, this meant that malicious actors could take advantage of flaws in Java that were never patched because Apple usually was a couple versions behind. In the Java runtime environment. Apple has since put the updating process in the lap of Oracle, who now currently owns Java. Additionally, they've installed a script that will check when the last time the user actually accessed Java, if it is turned on, and if they haven't accessed it over a set period of time, approximately 30 days, they will turn, the, the script will turn it off. Most Mac users do not need Java, nor do most small SoHo businesses. There are some of my clients who actually do need Java. And if you are going to use Java, there is a great application that allows you to manage the security of Java and how it handles certificates, signed code, and signed applets. This is the Java preferences app and it's located in the applications utilities folder. This allows you as an administrator or a user to set various controls on how Java applets will be used, including if the Java applet is not signed, that it will not execute, that it will check for certificates and will see if any of the certificates have been revoked. It also allows the administrator not to allow a user to override the installation or execution of applets that are not signed properly. I do also recommend for most of my clients that if they do development in-house of Java to sign their applets. They have the certificates and they can sign it. And this is an important part of being a responsible developer. Commentary, Podcast Goals. Well that concludes my first podcast. As always, you can visit Magmatic.com to get updated information about the latest threats and risk that you need to consider as an administrator or user of all the wonderful and great products that make up Apple's ecosystem. Here's to standing on the shoulders of all who've come before us. And may your week be a creative and secure one.